10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Broadcasting live worldwide. Click, listen, enjoy. Thank you for tuning in to KCN Talkline Communications Network Radio, America's number one Jewish program. The Talkline Communications Network proudly presents its flagship program, Talkline, America's number one Jewish program, the pulse beat of the Jewish community, with Zeb Brenner. And now, your host, Zeb Brenner. And welcome to another edition of Talkline. I'm Zev Brenner. Very happy to be here with you on WOR 710 AM Metro New York. We're with you every Sunday night here on this station from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. During the rest of the week, you can catch us on WSNR 620 AM Monday through Wednesday nights from 7 p.m. till 9 p.m. Thursday nights from 7 p.m. till 11 p.m. And we have Talkline Network programming on Saturday night, World Jewish World Saturday nights, beginning at 9 p.m., going all the way till 4 a.m. When we're not on the radio, please catch us 24 hours a day at TalklineNetwork.com, TalklineNetwork.com. Our 24-hour-day listen line is 641-741-0389. You can catch us on Naki Radio on your cell phones. Download the Jewish Radio app. We are part of that. Tonight, we have a great program for you. In a few minutes, we'll speak to Rabbi Simcha Scholar. Uh, he is the CEO of High Lifeline to help a lots of kids who are sick and have illnesses and crisis. They help the families, especially this time of year. They do amazing work. We'll highlight them. Also tonight, Dr. Tevi Troy is a presidential historian. He actually served in the White House, and uh, he's written a fascinating article about the role of ambassadors have in Washington. They've had a rocky relationship with different administrations. We'll look at some of the ups and downs of being an ambassador of Israel to the United States and some of the personalities that led our government over the course of time and what transpired between them and the Israeli ambassadors. You don't want to miss that. Dr. Tevi Troy is an exceptional historian, and he has his finger on what's really going on. So you don't want to miss our very special broadcast tonight. And... Uh, as I always like telling you, Hanukkah's in the air, so uh, we'll also tell you about some great Hanukkah things that you can do during the holidays. We are America's only Jewish radio programs on regular broadcast radio on the Internet and digital platforms. We begin right after these messages. Check this out. With colder weather, we'll all be spending more time indoors, where less air circulates, and there are more people. And it will be even more important to keep our face coverings on. Face coverings help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Keep yourself and others safe. Do your part. Wear your face covering, indoors and outdoors. Learn more at nyc.gov health coronavirus. 
Celebrate Hanukkah with the National Yiddish Theater Folksbina on Tuesday, December 8th at 7 p.m. for a free star-studded Folksbina Hanukkah Spectacular featuring Mayim Bialik, Billy Crystal, Beanie Feldstein, Barry Manilow, Mandy Patinkin, Neil Sadaka, Tova Felchel, Joel Gray, Isaac Perlman, and over 50 Broadway and Yiddish stage stars from all over the world. Free to join. Donations welcome. Learn more at nytf.org slash spectacular. Help usher in the Festival of Lights with the stars. That's nytf.org slash spectacular. Happy Hanukkah from the Folkspina. My name is Maishi Katz, National Director of United Refua HealthShare. I'd like to share with you the story of how a group of community leaders from Cleveland, Ohio, have changed the landscape of healthcare for Klal Yisrael. If you are one of the many Americans that spends over 20% of your monthly income on healthcare, you can relate to the founders of United Refua HealthShare. If you are one of the over 44% of Americans that have skipped healthcare because of high costs, you can relate to the founders of United Refua HealthShare. If you have ever experienced the frustration of not being able to visit the doctor or hospital of your choice because of network restrictions of your insurance company, you can relate to the founders of United Refua HealthShare. With a health-sharing organization, members make affordable monthly contributions based on their family size. Aside for a nominal administrative expense allowance that is set aside from these contributions, the remainder is deposited in the member share boxes to be used for their medical expenses or for the expenses of others in time of need. Membership is available nationwide to individuals in general good health and under age 65. All of our plans feature very low member responsibility, which we refer to as pre-share and co-share amounts. Since we are not an insurance company and are not looking for ways to make money and capitalize on your health care, we allow our members to use any doctor and any hospital anywhere in the world. I invite you to reach out to United Refua today to see how we can help you manage your health care expenses. Please call us today at 440-772-0700. That's 440-772-0700. Or visit us at www.jewishhealthshare.org for more information and for our full sharing guidelines. Because together, we will make a difference. New Yorkers, this holiday season, let's reduce the spread of COVID-19. This is not the year to travel to gather with family and friends. Traveling puts you, your family, and our communities at risk, as returning travelers can be a source of transmission. Celebrate with your own household members and virtually with friends and family. Let's take these precautions now so we can all be together in the future. For more information, visit nyc.gov health coronavirus. Welcome back to the program. I'm Zev Brenner. What is a privilege? What is a treat to have Rabbi Simcha Scala with us? I know him back for so many years. Uh, he is the chief executive officer of High Lifeline, which is a Jewish community's leading health, actually children's health and welfare association. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. It's really a, always a pleasure to be here to speak about High Lifeline and to speak about this uh, wonderful that's, up, that's coming up soon. We'll talk about the virtual global gala 
But first, I just want to tell our audience, and you can do a great job, but you're at the helm. You've seen the organization grow. Chayef Lifeline does amazing work as a children's health support network, which is really the leading one in the Jewish community. Right. We, we are the largest Jewish community's uh, health support network uh, dealing with um, pediatric illness or the effects of illness on children. And we have a wider range of support systems, both uh, recreational, psychosocial, economic, uh, financial, um, advocacy, um, our camps, famous camps for children with cancer or other disabilities, Camp Simcha, Camp Simcha Special. What we do is we deal with the entire family unit to make sure that they are uh, capable of dealing with life's most, one of the most horrific situations where a child gets ill with a catastrophic illness. Uh, we also deal with all different types of trauma um, that uh, affect the Jewish community, whether it's, uh, God forbid, of the fire where people die or major accident. We have a, we have a, uh, a division called Project High, which is also one of the largest community-based crisis intervention uh, organizations in the, in the, in the world. Uh, the Chayla Line is global. It has uh, 14 regional offices throughout the world. Uh, we deal with close to 6,000 children and their families on a daily basis, uh, helping them with concrete services, whether it's food in the hospitals or transportation, or advocacy to the hospitals or respite or, as I said before, recreational financial things. And we are the ombudsman of the, for the Jewish community um, for... Um, health situations throughout the world and uh we're open to everyone we we are an all-encompassing and loving organization and we help anyone that needs our help and this event that's coming up is our uh key fundraiser to be able to maintain and grow because during covid uh our services believe it or not have dramatically increased uh because children that are ill and families that have an ill child, COVID has really cut off a lot of the lifelines of a lot of other systems of support, and they now are leaning on us. The trauma situations have multiplied uh, due to you know difficulties, and um, just a it's a challenging time out there for all of us, and especially for a child that's ill. And you correctly point out that, that during COVID, your services have increased. But I'm not sure if the money has increased to, to you know, on the same level because the need is greater, and uh, I'm sure your resources are stretched a lot more during these times. That's absolutely correct, and that's why this event is so critical for us. We're putting together all of our regional offices and all of our fundraising efforts into one event uh, because our services, the need for our services, have have increased dramatically, and our uh, fundraising. Uh, results have not. So we are reaching out to the goodness of your radio audience, which and there are a lot of good people there, uh, into deep to get into their deep into their hearts, into their souls, and to uh, express their humanitarian and philanthropic uh, desires to help children. Now everyone wants to help a child. Everyone loves a child, and everyone is is. Um, Concerned about a sick child, and that's who we are. We are, the, we are the ombudsman for the sick children of the world, and we have to help these young kids and their families get through this trauma, get through this difficulty, get.
get through this obstacle, climb over these hurdles. We gotta we gotta make these kids into productive adults. Uh, we gotta help them through. Medical science is great, and they um, have made tremendous, tremendous, tremendous um, uh, growth and uh, results. I mean, we're not there yet. Obviously, it's not catastrophic illness. It's not just with a pill, but we have to get them through the illness, healthy from the illness, and healthy emotionally. And that's the critical part of our services uh, to be able to keep the family unit together and to give them the warmth and the need and the support service, the professional support services, that these young men and women can become uh, productive adults, contributing adults in, in the community. And we've had many, 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 many success, success stories. And, and my dad, you were my go-to person. Now you mentioned, obviously, kids with cancer and catastrophic illnesses, but whenever there's a catastrophe, whether it's uh, the killing in Jersey City or other thing where children are involved and need psychological help, you're the person I call to to come out and speak out and help. Yeah, we, have, and we, have, we have hundreds of trained professional crisis, crisis, crisis interventionists throughout the world. There's no organization in the world that has such a, a vast network of people to be able to respond to various different things throughout the world on a moment's notice. We have teams in Los Angeles and Antwerp and England, Canada, uh, Chicago, Baltimore, Miami, uh, New York, New Jersey, uh, and, and many, many other places. We have teams of people that are trained and supervised by world-class professionals uh, and that are very, very effective. And um, yeah, that's who that that's who people call. I mean, we 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 are the the largest uh, in the world, a uh, community-based organization in the world that deals with this stuff. Now, we, this all costs money. Hanukkah is coming. So there's a tradition of Hanukkah geld where people give out money, especially for good causes. And you're doing something special. I've gone to your dinners, and they've really been gala dinners. Obviously, because of COVID, you can't have it. So you've taken your dinner global. So you're having a global gala, a World of Hope event on Tuesday night uh, this week at 8 o'clock. Tell us about it, because you've got some really top-of-the-line top stars. Yeah, we have uh, Lior Raz, who's the star of the Israeli hit show Fada. He's going to be our MC. Uh, it's an incredible show. Everyone, one of the most uh, uh, well-viewed shows on Netflix. and It's really a, it's a very famous person throughout the world. Uh, and um, David Blaine is um, a special uh, a special performance by by him, and a very special musical performance by the a child and um, some really world class professional musicians. Uh, and plus, of course, we we, we are um, honoring uh, numerous people, uh, or each one. Uh, has contributed significantly, and the and the show is going to be entertaining, exciting. It's going to be um, educating people. Will be educated about High Lifeline. They will feel the emotion of these children. They will feel the love of High Lifeline. They will feel the magic of Camp Simcha. They will feel the the goodness that comes out uh, of helping someone, especially in this season of Hanukkah, this this, this entire season of giving, and these. Wonderful stars, uh, Leo Raz and uh, David Blaine, are promised that uh, it's going to be very entertaining, uh, very magical, um, and it's uh, open to the public, free of charge. 
All you have to do is re- is, uh, is register at the www.theglobalgala.com, www.theglobalgala.com, and you'll be able to um, experience this uh, in the comforts of your home. And, um, you know, you can have all the popcorn you want. And, and it's great. And there are terrific stories, and it goes for a good cause, and it's free. You can watch it for free. That's, let's give the information. That's Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, correct? December correct. 8th. And it's Correct. a great, great pre-Hanukkah event that people should participate in and right. help find Lifeline at the same time. So how many people do you anticipate maybe watching it around the world? Uh, we are preparing for tens of thousands. So uh, We see already that already uh, a couple of thousand already have, uh, have registered, uh, and uh, we know that many, many more people are registering every, every minute. I'm sure many of your listening audience is going, they're going to do this. They're going to go right away and register at www.theglobalgala.com theglobalgala.com and uh, we have the capacity to, uh, you know, to handle as many people as um, registered. And, so. and I urge people to do that. Go, go to theglobalgala.com and you'll be worth your while. You get to see some great stars, performances and see what High Lifeline does which is really give life to the family, not just to the kids that are facing challenges through cancer or other catastrophic uh, illnesses, but also the family needs support in the high life, and does an excellent job with that. I want to thank you, Rabbi Simcha Scholar, the CEO of High Lifeline, the Jewish community's leading Jewish Children's Health Support Network. Thank you for being with us. Good luck with the gala. Thank you, and thank you, Zev, and thank you all of you that are listening tonight, um, today, tonight, whatever you're listening. And... Um, Please um, join us, join the children, join our journey, www.theglobalgala.com. Thank you. Be well. And that's Rabbi Simcha Scholar. Always a pleasure to have him on there. Does amazing, such good work for children and their families. When we come back, speaking of amazing, Dr. Tevi Troy, uh, he is a historian of the president of what happens in the White House and in Washington, and we'll look at the Israeli ambassadors and some of their tales of being in Washington, D.C., dealing with the American administrations. You'd be very surprised by some of what they had to go through, and, of course, you'll have a chance to call in, speak out with your questions, your comments. We're going to be right back right after these messages. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Attention, New Yorkers. Keep washing your hands with soap and water or use hand sanitizer. Keep staying home if you're sick, except to receive medical care. It helps to keep others from getting sick. Keep doing your part to keep your friends and family safe. Wash your hands, stay home if you're sick, and get tested regularly. For more information, visit nyc.gov slash health slash coronavirus. This is Mimi Rosemarin, Director of Global Development from Mayor Panim. When the second wave of coronavirus hit Israel, Israelis were hungry and in need of food, Mayor Panim was there serving meals. While Israel is still in a phase of lockdown where many businesses and schools can't reopen, Mayor Panim is here serving and delivering meals to the most vulnerable. Coronavirus came and our soup kitchens were overwhelmed with hungry mouths to feed. As you light the Hanukkah menorah, think of those that are hungry and help them kindle an everlasting light, the light of hope. 
For many, Mayor Panin provides them their only hot meal of the day and most importantly, hope. To learn more about how you can support Mayor Panim Soup Kitchens, visit mayorpanim.org. Are you unhappy with your old and unnatural looking dentures? Do you want to replace your missing teeth with implants that feel strong and healthy? If so, then you should schedule an appointment with Dr. Tomechi. Dr. Tomechi is at the forefront of dental implantology and has been a faculty member of the NYU Department of Periodontics and Implantology for over 14 years. He's the founder of Dental Implant Surgical Seminar, or DISS. This is an implant training school for doctors learning implant treatments on live patients while providing free care to underprivileged communities. With Dr. Tometri's use of computer-guided implant placement and 3D imaging, the exact placement of teeth is achieved even before being placed into the patient. Services range from the most difficult cases, such as full mouth implants, sinus lifts, and major bone grafting to a simple, single implant. Sedation services are also available upon request. Come in for your complimentary consult at Dr. Mechie's state-of-the-art office in Astoria, Queens, and obtain the beautiful smile you've always wanted and at a reasonable price. Call today at 718-956-7800. Once again, 718-956-7800. Or visit drterchi.com for more information. Living in very challenging times with things very unsettling. Let Hanukkah, the festival of life, uplift our spirits and put a spark to our daily lives. Since we can't make it to Israel for Hanukkah, we can get a taste of the Holy Land with Evan Zahav's award-winning Jerusalem Gold Wines, which will enhance the celebration of the Festival of Lights. Choose from the Evan Zahav Special Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot, Premium Merlot, Premium Shiraz, and Petite Shiraz. Other uplifting choices to make your Hanukkah sparkle include Du Privilege, the finest kosher cognac from France. It's a gold medal winner and comes in a variety of exquisite bottles. Other great cognac choices include gold medal winner Du XO, the Du Cognac XO Louis Memory Ors Dage, and very light and silky gold medal winner Du Extra Black. The Marquis de Brim Cognac XO in a special gift box is a great gift to give. It's best selection of the Premier's crust of cognacs. It makes a great Hanukkah gift. Let's celebrate Hanukkah by all of us making a lechayim and letting our spirits be uplifted with Evan Zahav, premium wines from Israel, and the finest kosher cognacs in the world. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't blow a fuse because you're having trouble making a connection with an electrician. Hershey Framowitz and his licensed crew at Safety Electric take pride in responding quickly and safely to all your electrical needs. Whether large or small, private or commercial, Safety Electric is here to service you at prices that are affordable, especially during these trying times. They do new meters, remove violations, new wiring, and camera systems, as well as renovations and 220-volt wiring. Safety Electric is light years ahead of the competition, so for quality work, reasonable prices, and your satisfaction guaranteed, please call 347-645-4321 for a free quote and take charge of all your electrical needs. That's 347-645-4321. With colder weather, we'll all be spending more time indoors, where less air circulates and there are more people. And it will be even more important to keep our face coverings on. Face coverings help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Keep yourself and others safe. Do your part. Wear your face covering, indoors and outdoors. 
Learn more at nyc.gov slash health slash coronavirus. Welcome back to the program, moms. Zev Brenner. I always enjoy having Dr. Tevi Troy with us. He's, I think, one of our most frequent and popular guests on the program. He is a presidential historian, former White House aide. He also was a Jewish liaison. His latest book is called Fight House, Rivalries in the White House from Truman to Trump. But his article that just appeared is called A Brief History of Israel's Ambassadors to Washington, Their Successes and Their Troubles. Tevi, good to have you back. Hey, thanks. That's very flattering that I'm one of the most frequent guests. I think it's a fantastic program, and it's just an honor to be on every time. We enjoy having you. Always have some great stuff that you uncover. And uh, what's been the reaction, first of all, to the articles you write about different administrations and Israeli ambassadors and a lot of the secrets that are out there? What has been the word on the street about your article in Mosaic? Yeah, it, it, I've gotten tremendous response. People really love it. Um, the Somebody said to me that it's the only article that gets... Uh, positive tweets from both Matt Brooks and Peter Beinart, meaning obviously people on the right and on the left. And look, I love Israel, and uh, this isn't a political piece. It's a political history piece. It's some of the funniest and most entertaining and uh, exciting stories about what Israeli ambassadors to Washington have done. The only negative thing I heard was from uh, one of the former ambassadors, and I'm not going to say his name, but uh, let's just say he wasn't uh, sufficiently covered in the piece and was, was upset about that. And uh, my only response to that is, if there's a good story about you in the public record, you're going to be in the piece. And if there's no good or fun stories, it's not going to happen. <laughs> now, it's interesting. There's usually a separate ambassador to Washington, a separate ambassador to the United Nations. But starting next month, the Gilad Erdogan is going to be both the ambassador to Washington and to the United Nations, which is unusual because I think the, one of the people who did that was Abi Iben. But most of the time, you have a separate one. So why is it? In your opinion, we having only one serving both functions. Yeah, I, I, I got to be honest. I don't know how sustainable it is. I don't know if it's a great idea. I mean, you know, Israelis talk about this concept of Hasbara, which is explaining themselves to the world and to people in, uh, in countries outside of Israel. And having two people do Hasbara in those very important positions, both at the UN and Washington, uh, is better, in my opinion, than having one. No matter how talented um, Gilad Ardana is, and I've heard nothing bad about the guy. Uh, I just I just think we should have more people out there talking about how great Israel is. Now, lots of times you have a president that may be more disposed towards Israel, but you have the State Department that has his own policy. Um, and, you, and you're right about that, you know, during the book. For example, even the first Israeli ambassador to Washington had to deal with a, a, a secretary of state who was opposed to Israel. And he had to go around to the Congress, right? It started all the way <laughs> well, from the get-go. Uh, I mean, it's more than opposed to Israel. I mean, we've had lots of them who are opposed to Israel. This guy was opposed to actually recognizing Israel, to, you know, to even allowing Israel to exist from the various moments. Uh, we're talking, of course, about George Marshall, who was a great general in World War II, but uh, when it came to Israel, was not a big fan. And, and so it is true, uh, Ambassador Epstein, uh, or any lot was, was his uh, Hebraicized name, but it was originally Epstein, uh, he went to Congress and was one of the first ambassadors to recognize that Congress was sometimes more friendly territory to uh, Israel than uh, the administrations, and certainly Foggy Bottom, which is where the State Department is. And he got a $100 million export-import bank loan in 1949 because of his app, which is a great sum of money, uh, even yeah, today. That was real money back then, huh? Right, it's a lot of money <laughs> in those days, too. So who would you say of all the ambassadors had the hardest time dealing in Washington? Ooh, that's a good question. 
in some sense, it was, it was Michael Oren, who dealt with a very hostile Obama administration. I have a great story in there about how he was constantly trying to get a meeting with Hillary Clinton, and Hillary Clinton would not meet with him. This is when she was Secretary of State. And then they kind of bump into each other at a meeting, and she playfully punches them on the arm and says, Michael Oren, I keep trying to meet with you, and you won't meet with me. So, I mean, she kind of makes fun of the fact that they were refusing to meet with him. He also got yelled at a lot by, um, uh, by the Obama administration. So, so he had a rough time. But, but I also uh, think, I think uh, it was maybe uh, Zalman Cheval, who was the ambassador during the, um, the George H.W. Bush years, and there was that big fight between Israel and the Bush administration, and Cheval kind of pushed back on the Bush administration. I, I didn't think it was in that rough a way, but uh, there was huge uproar about what, what he said, and he was forced to apologize. So I, I think he had a rough time, too. But he didn't only have a rough time with the Bush administration. Didn't Zalmanshaw have a rough time with Jimmy Carter's administration with with uh, Brzezinski, uh, who was, uh, I think, an anti-Semite. But uh, you write yeah, that, he, well, that he was also as an ignoramus, too. Right. Well, to, to be fair, um, he had a bad meeting with Brzezinski, but it was after Brzezinski was, thank God, out of power. But um, he did talk to Brzezinski with his wife, and Brzezinski asked his wife when her wife, the wife family got to Israel, and she said 1921, and Brzezinski, who's supposed to be this great policy intellectual, said, what, there were Jews in Israel in 1921? I mean, he had no idea about the, the first Aliyah, or the fact that there were Jews in Israel continuously since the, uh, since the Roman the destruction of the Temple. Uh, it wasn't a huge community, and they weren't in charge uh, of, of, the, of the government there, but the, there was a continuous Jewish presence for 2,000 years. Right, and this was somebody who was supposed to be in the know and was setting policy for our government. So this is, unfortunately, you find that the case. Um, but getting back to the Obama years, because you write about Must Michael... Must <laughs> I'm sorry? Must we? Uh, well, I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's certainly the closest that a lot of our pe- listeners that are tuning in. But, but, but the, I know you wrote a review of the president. Obama wrote a book, and he was pretty critical about Israel and uh, I know you wrote a critique about it, but was the tone, include, you mentioned about uh, that the Secretary of State Clinton refused to meet with him. That was official policy, that they gave Israel a hard time. What about keeping the Prime Minister waiting at a, when he had a meeting in the White House? There were all kinds of things that happened that I think made for a contentious relationship, including the Prime Minister going to the Republican Congress and trying to stop the Iran, Iranian arms deal. Yeah, and also I have a story in there about Rahm Emanuel getting in Michael Oren's face and kind of pushing his finger in his chest and said, um, I'm not going to use the curse words he said, but he just said, you do not come to the White House and lecture the President of the United States, and he used a lot of bad words in between. So uh, so that was bad. And then um, the time when Biden went to Israel and Israel announced that they were building some houses in eastern Jerusalem, it had nothing to do with the Biden visit, but um, Clinton berated Netanyahu about that announcement and then the deputy secretary of state, a guy named James Steinberg, kind of summoned Michael Oren to the, the White House and not only yelled at him, but had his whole staff listen in, and the staff was kind of all cheering about the attack on Israel and specifically on the Israeli ambassador. So, um, so yeah, they, they didn't have the best time in, in the Obama administration. No, it doesn't sound like it. And, uh, you know, are, are we in for something similar Obviously, it won't be as bad during a Biden administration. Some of the people from the Obama administration will be uh, working in a Biden White House. Yeah, I'm hoping not. I think some of the most hostile people to Israel from the previous administration, including Obama himself, 
uh, are not going to be in the administration again. So I'm hoping uh, that Israel gets a better shake this time. Uh, that that said, you know, there, there have been some challenges with with uh, Joe Biden. You know, you and I talked a couple of weeks ago about the famous uh, blow up he had with Menachem Begin back in 1982. So I guess I guess we'll have to see. I'm choosing to enter the administration in an optimistic way, and I'm hoping for the best. So I'm not going to criticize until there's something to criticize. Okay, but you hope you're not counting your days because hopefully there won't be something to criticize. But uh, obviously the Iranian deal and going back and if that gets back into into motion will be a bad thing. And there could be there's certainly going to be a difference in tone and style than the current administration. That I think we can all agree upon. Sure, but but let me praise the, the Biden administration. You know, it might not continue once the administration begins. So let me praise them right now because they've said that they support the idea of the Abraham Accords, and they're going to keep trying to push that concept. So I think that's also the good. And I think that's something that both parties can get behind. If Israel has more positive relationships and peace agreements with other Sunni Arab nations, I think that's also the good. Let's talk about Richard Nixon. Let's talk about uh, Henry Kissinger, because Henry Kissinger was Jewish, and, uh, and we know the Nixon tapes where he talked about the liberal Jews. But yet... Uh, well, Richard Nixon surprised a lot of people. Henry Kissinger surprised a lot of people. Let's talk about that. Yeah, well, first of all, it's a, it's a little complicated because Nixon, indeed, you know, the thing you're alluding to is that he did back Israel in the 1973 Yom Kippur he War. Actually, he actually so saved Israel couple, in the 1973 Yom Kippur yeah, War. Yeah, with uh, Operation Nickel Glass, which was to, to bring all these um, uh, arms to Israel. But, but first of all, Kissinger was initially banned from dealing with Israel policy in the first few years of the administration because they thought as a Jew that he couldn't weigh in on the issue, which is ridiculous. Um, but then there's this one great incident that I talk about in my, in my book, Fight House, where Kissinger gives an opinion about Israel at one point, and Nixon looks at him and brutally says, can we have the American point of view now, Henry, which is just a really cruel thing to say. Uh, but, but then when it came down to it, it was... Kissinger, who was more reluctant to give the aid to Israel in 1973 than Nixon was. And Nixon uh, said, that let's give them aid, and then there was questions about how much aid, and Nixon said, we're going to get criticized for a literal lot, so let's just give them everything we got. And they did, and that really did help save Israel and turn the tide of the war. But you're right about an exchange between Simcha Dinitz, who was the ambassador during the Yom Kippur War with Henry Kissinger, and uh, he really wanted that Israel should stop their advances against the Egyptian Third Army. And uh, you have a funny exchange where Kissinger t- tells Dinitz about, <laughs> about why you should stop, and the expression that he used. Right. So uh, you're, you're right that the Third Army was trapped and Israel was pressing against them, and uh, there, there was a fear that the Soviets would get involved, and Kissinger and Nixon had this grand strategy of getting the Soviets out of Middle East, which i got to say they were successful. Uh, the Soviets stayed out of the, the Middle East and, and, and the Russians until, uh, until recent years, which is an unfortunate development. But um, Kissinger is really pressing the point with Dennis about how they have to stop the advance of the, of the Israelis against the Third Army, um, and he calls him from the Situation Room and he says, and I, I apologize if this, these words offend any of your viewers, he says, Jesus Christ, don't you understand? And then he realized he was talking to the Israeli ambassador, the Jewish ambassador, and he just stops, and Dinitz says that uh, Kissinger might be more persuasive if he would cite a different prophet, which I just think is brilliant. <laughs> right, and what did Kissinger respond? That's not recorded for history, I guess. He said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, he recognized that he had overstepped. <laughs> the prolific writer and Dr. Tevry Troy, 
Uh, he was formerly in part of the Bush administration. He was a Jewish liaison. By the way, before I break, are you going to the? There's a whole big to do about the Hanukkah party in the White House. Are you going this year to the Hanukkah party in the White House? Yeah, it's kind of complicated, and um, we were very concerned about the coronavirus protocol. So we're looking into the issue. Because a lot of people that are usually going not going, there's a whole big to-do about going. People want to go. They love the lamb chop, which is, aside from being with the president, it's the highlight of being in the White House Hanukkah party. So people say they're going to go and not eat, and some people are not going to go. And so they have people ordinarily that wouldn't get invited or getting invited. They want to, they're looking to fill the seats, from what I understand. Right. And, and to be fair, uh, they, they are requiring that everybody wear masks, and they said it's a smaller party than usual, and they're going to have hand sanitizer there. But, you know, it, it's uh, you know, it's a, it's a very difficult time. We have a, a high case rate right now, and um, I know in Maryland they're, uh, they're very concerned, which is where I live. So, uh, you know, let, let's put a wait and see on this one. Dr. Tevitore, our guest, and we're looking at Israeli ambassadors and some of their tense relationships with the American administrations from 1948 till the present time. When we come back, we'll take some of your phone calls. If you'd like to chime in, our numbers are 212-769-1925, extension 100-212-769-1925. You want to email us, zevbrennerigmail.com. One week from tonight, Rabbi Avi Weiss, uh, the leader of Open Orthodoxy, and also formerly a Jewish activist, will be on hand one week from tonight. Again, our number is at 212-769-1925, extension 100. We're going to be right back. Check this out. Attention, New Yorkers. Keep your friends safe when you're out. Wear a face covering. Whether it's two of you or a group of you. Whether you're going out or getting together, keep a safe distance. Stay six feet apart. Keep doing your part to keep your friends and family safe. Wear your face covering, keep your distance, and get tested regularly. For more information, visit nyc.gov health coronavirus. This is Mimi Rosemarin, Director of Global Development from Mayor Panim. When the second wave of coronavirus hit Israel, Israelis were hungry and in need of food. Mayor Panim was there serving meals. While Israel is still in a phase of lockdown where many businesses and schools can't reopen, Mayor Panim is here serving and delivering meals to the most vulnerable. Coronavirus came and our soup kitchens were overwhelmed with hungry mouths to feed. As you light the Hanukkah menorah, think of those that are hungry and help them kindle an everlasting light, the light of hope. For many, Mayor Panim provides them their only hot meal of the day and most importantly, hope. To learn more about how you can support Mayor Panim soup kitchens, visit mayorpanim.org. Celebrate Hanukkah with the National Yiddish Theater Folkspina on Tuesday, December 8th at 7 p.m. for a free star-studded Folkspina Hanukkah Spectacular featuring Mayim Bialik, Billy Crystal, Beanie Feldstein, Barry Manilow, Mandy Patinkin, 
Nil Tzedakah, Tova Felchel, Joel Gray, Isaac Perlman, and over 50 Broadway and Yiddish stage stars from all over the world. Free to join. Donations welcome. Learn more at nytf.org slash spectacular. Help usher in the Festival of Lights with the stars. That's nytf.org slash spectacular. Happy Hanukkah from the Volkspino. Living in very challenging times with things very unsettling. Let Hanukkah, the Festival of Light, uplift our spirits and put a spark to our daily lives. Since we can't make it to Israel for Hanukkah, we can get a taste of the Holy Land with Evan Zahav's award-winning Jerusalem Gold Wines, which will enhance the celebration of the Festival of Lights. Choose from the Evan Zahav Special Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot, Premium Merlot, Premium Shiraz, and Petite Shiraz. Other uplifting choices to make your Hanukkah sparkle include Du Privilage, the finest kosher cognac from France. It's a gold medal winner and comes in a variety of exquisite bottles. Other great cognac choices include gold medal winner Du XO, the Du Cognac XO Louis Memory Ors Dage, and very light and silky gold medal winner Du Extra Black. The Marquis de Brim Cognac XO in a special gift box is a great gift to give. It's best selection of the premier's crust of cognacs. It makes a great Hanukkah gift. Let's celebrate Hanukkah by all of us making a lechayim and letting our spirits be uplifted with Evan Zahav, premium wines from Israel, and the finest kosher cognacs in the world. Oh, Hanukkah, Hanukkah, my lakas are in the frying pan. What is the best oil to use? Of course, is Delarosa grapeseed oil the natural companion to the potato latka? Why? Because Delarosa grapeseed oil is made from the hidden secret oil in the grapeseed, making it the perfect companion to the potato latka. Delarosa grapeseed oil will enhance the whole feeling of Hanukkah. It is the best cooking oil, never smokes up even 485 degrees, allows the true flavor of the food to come through and enhances health. Choose grapeseed oil from Delarosa this Hanukkah, the true heart healthy oil, as the Holy Chassam Sober was the first to approve it, so Delarosa was the first to market it to America. Kosher for passive and all year round with the best supervision. You can find Delarosa grapeseed oil in your local market and on Amazon.com. You can also order directly from Delarosa by calling 718-333-0333. Again, that's 718-333-0333. Or by visiting them online at Delarosa613.com. That's D-E-L-A-R-O-S-A-613.com. Use Delarosa grapeseed oil to elevate the atmosphere of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah from Delarosa. New Yorkers, this holiday season, let's reduce the spread of COVID-19. This is not the year to travel to gather with family and friends. Traveling puts you, your family, and our communities at risk, as returning travelers can be a source of transmission. Celebrate with your own household members and virtually with friends and family. Let's take these precautions now so we can all be together in the future. For more information, visit nyc.gov health coronavirus. Welcome back to the program, Mom Zev Brenner. Our guest is Dr. Tevi Troy. He's a presidential historian, and he's written a fascinating article for Mosaic Magazine about ambassadors and their relationship with American governments. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hills. You'll be our first caller for time. Our numbers are 212-769-1925. Go ahead, Stan. Hi, 
Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Go ahead, Sam. Getting a little echo, Sam, just a little echo. Okay. Uh, doctor, uh, I know, uh, how are you? Uh, I know that Golda Meir was prime minister. One, was she ever an ambassador before she was a prime minister? And there has, as far as I know, there's never been a woman prime minister, uh, uh, ambassador from Israel to the United States. Am I wrong about that? Tell me, and why? If there You're isn't. correct. There has never been a female ambassador to Washington uh, from Israel. However, Golda was an ambassador to Russia, which is where she was born, to the Soviet Union. And she was a, she was a big hit there. Uh, but, uh, but it's true, she never did. She, how, she was, however, a big rival with Abba Ibn, whom I mentioned in the article as uh, the first and perhaps one of the best-known ambassadors. And uh, he became very well-known in America, and I talk about this in the article, through television. And Israelis didn't have television in those days, so Abba Ibn was better known and better liked in America than he was in Israel. And there are two famous stories about Golda and him. At one point, she heard that he was thinking of running for prime minister, and she joked, of what country, which is pretty cutting. And then another time, when she said something nasty about him, she was told by her staff, but Abba speaks five languages. And she said, so does the waiter at the King David Hotel. <laughs> so she was not a big fan of Abba even. Uh, was, uh, the point is, why do you think there's never been a woman Ambassador, and I thought I, I, I thought maybe Tiffy Lidney, Tiffy, she was not, was not she? She worked for uh, I Tiffy think Lidney, she worked under yeah. Shimon Perez, if I'm not mistaken, on that. Yes, Tiffy Lidney was senior in the Israeli government, and there have indeed been many senior people in the Israeli government, including I believe they had a, a um, I know the, the Justice Minister to be Why do you think there hasn't been an ambassador? What do you, what do you think about that? Uh, well, you know, I think it's a great idea. I think they should. I, I think it would be great to have a uh, female ambassador come and uh, do the Hasbara that I was talking about earlier, the explanation of, of what Israel is up to uh, to the West. And um, I think it's a great idea. Uh, anyway, I'm a thank fan you. of it, but I can't, I can't answer the question of why it hasn't happened yet. Anyway, okay. Stan, Stan, great quote. Thanks for calling. No problem. Bye-bye. Have a good night. Okay, let's go to Alan in New York City, Manhattan. Go ahead, Alan, your question or comment. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Dr. Troy. I was, I was hoping... Uh, Dr. Troy Tevi, if you could share something, you, you talked about rivalries a moment ago. Could, I've read a little bit about uh, of your book of, of, from uh, Fight House. Could, could you share, I know it's a little bit off topic, but could you share some of these internal, you know, inside baseball stuff about the White House and some of the rivalries that, that were going on there? Uh, well, this is clearly a very well-read listener, Zev. Uh, yes, I do have a book called Fight House. Thank you for bringing it up. And Fight House is a fascinating tale of all kinds of infighting that took place in the White House. A lot of it had to do with Israel, actually. And I, I mentioned Secretary of State Marshall earlier. Uh, he was involved in the original decision about whether to recognize Israel and got in such a nasty fight with Clark Clifford, who argued in favor of recognizing Israel and actually won the fight, that Clifford never again uh, spoke, I mean, Marshall never again spoke to Clifford or uttered Clifford's name for the rest of his life. So he really bore a grudge about losing that fight over Israel. So if you like that kind of uh, nasty inside politics stuff, Fight House is the book for you. Anyway, thank you for a good question. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Dr. Troy. Thank you. If you want, we have left. Um, you know, the whole relationship with the evangelical Christians is due to an Israeli ambassador, uh, you write. I believe it was Moshe Aaron. So tell us about that, because that became a critical political group that helped Israel. In fact, you also write about a shift between 
Democrats and Republicans, where Israeli administrations tend to gravitate more towards Republicans than Democrats as time went on. Yeah, that, that's a really good one. And this one uh, has a special resonance for me because uh, my, my father, who's still with us, 90 years old, um, was friends with Moshe Aaron. They, they grew up together, and, and he knew Moshe Aaron. And uh, Moshe Aaron uh, recognized, because he was American and one, one of the few uh, ambassadors who actually had the, the American origin, uh, like, like Michael Oren as well, but uh, Moshe Aaron recognized the importance of evangelicals in American politics, and he argued for cultivating them and working with them. And I think that was really important in bringing the Republican Party to be a much more pro-Israel party than it was initially. Uh, certainly in the Eisenhower days, it wasn't such a pro-Israel party. And then the second thing that Moshe Aaron was involved with was working on um, free market economics. And he introduced Jack Kemp, who was one of the big uh, proponents of free market economics within the Republican Party, to Bibi Netanyahu. And Netanyahu took a lot of those ideas when he was finance minister to help uh, change Israel around from the socialist economy it was to the startup nation that it is today. And that really helped bolster the relationship between Israel and the Republican Party. Because before that, the Republicans would say, well, what's with this socialist country? They, they, you know, um, uh, Senator um, Rudy Boschwitz uh, once told me this story that one of his colleagues said to him, you know, you Jews are such great businessmen, why do you have a socialist country? Which, you know, is not the most, uh, I guess, politically correct way of saying something. Uh, but, but the fact is that, that a lot of Republicans were put off by how socialist was, Israel was in the early days, and now they like the fact that Israel is, is a much more entrepreneurial, innovative economic powerhouse. I want to get back a moment to Moshe Aarons because the, the reaching out to the evangelical community, because there was a change. I remember when Jimmy Carter was president, he was evangelical, and there was a whole big to-do about the Jews not accepting the Christian Savior and that meant they were condemned to purgatory. There was a whole big to-do. And then you saw a whole change where all of a sudden you have a whole movement that's so pro-Israel and, it's, and which brought the Republican Party. So that whole change is just revolutionary. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to give credit here to Rabbi Yechiel Eckstein as well, a friend of mine who passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago. But uh, he recognized when he was working at the Anti-Defamation League that there was a possibility of building this tie between the evangelicals and Israel and the American Jewish community. And the people at the ADL kind of uh, scoffed at him, and they rejected him. And he went and found his own organization, the Fellowship Between Christians and Jews, uh, which had become a, a huge uh, organization, but really helped build that tie and is one of the reasons why uh, Israel has such a staunch group of supporters among the evangelical Christian community today. Now, Yitzhak Rabin, he certainly was an ambassador to the to Washington, and uh, tell us about it, because he got himself into trouble because of his time that he was in the United States. Yeah, so, so Rabin uh, is, is the only, thus far, the only ambassador to Washington who became prime minister, so we, gotta, we have to acknowledge that. Uh, he also picked up some habits while he was in Washington. One of them was tennis. He became a big tennis player, and uh, he would play tennis every Saturday morning. He would be smoking his cigarettes, get to the court, put down his cigarette, play his tennis, and then, and then move on. And also whiskey. He got, developed a taste for fine whiskey while he, he was in Washington. But one other thing he picked up here was a bank account, an American bank account, uh, which is, was not legal in Israel back in its bad old socialist days. And when he comes back to Israel and becomes prime minister, and there's a revelation about this. There's actually some good gumshoe reporting uh, by a reporter who heard a uh, thing about it, or heard a kind of rumor about it, and then he went to the bank and he tried to deposit money 
in Rabin's name, and then he wrote down the bank account number, and so he created, he kind of uh, found this whole scandal. And Rabin had to step down as prime minister because of this this bank account. So, uh, so again, he picked up some good habits, I guess, in, in Washington in terms of uh, whiskey and, and the tennis, but uh, some bad habits as well in terms of the bank account, which is not legal. Now you, have, you, you write something fascinating, a story with Rabbi Stanley Rabinowitz, and going to, and 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 uh, also Rabin also um, interestingly he went to the um, uh, the Addis Israel synagogue where he would uh, pray and he was there on Yom Kippur one time I tell the story in the article as well that he uh, was there and William Sapphire who's actually one of my heroes growing up a New York Times columnist uh, William Sapphire was a White House speechwriter at the time and he was writing speeches for Spiro Agnew the vice president and. He wrote these great alliterative speeches where he talked about the nattering nabobs of negativism. That was a classic. How many people remember that? I remember that was like a classic. <laughs> that uh, right. People talk about Trump like Trump is criticizing the press like no Republican has ever criticized the press before. But uh, uh, you know, Agnew was pretty harsh in criticizing the press, as was, as was Nixon. So anyway, uh, Sapphire is writing these pretty sharp speeches, and the rabbi of Addis Israel blasts the um, politicians who use alliteration to make their points. And it's really a direct attack, not only on Agnew, but on Sapphire himself, who wrote the speech. And Sapphire's sitting there in the audience. He feels uncomfortable. He said, this was not the sin I had come to atone for, which is a great line. Um, and then later, um, Rabin commiserated with Sapphire, and Sapphire suspected that Rabin even went to the rabbi and kind of rebuked him for, for what had happened. Wow. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. You have a question for our guest. Go ahead, Jimmy. No, I just want to make a, make a statement here. I am not a Jewish person. I'm a Christian. I'm not, I don't pretend to be a good Christian, but I'm an anti-communist activist. And from Soviet publications, people don't understand that a lot of this radical Islamic stuff comes from the Soviet training. Capitalism is racism. To destroy racism, you have to destroy capitalism. Then they started teaching Zionism is racism. So, so your point that you want to make is? I want to make a point that there's an active communist movement that's out there, and that's largely behind a lot of this radical anti-Jewish, anti-Israel sentiment. It's highly organized, and it goes back for several, several decades, and it's being ignored. I have Soviet publications where they talk about Arab liberation. Oh, there's no so question Arab that they've been behind it, and the protocols are the other design. Jimmy, I appreciate your phone call. We're almost out of time. So as we close out... Can I just make a point? I just want to say sure. uh, yeah, yes to Jimmy. Uh, I think uh, there, there are some really uh, disturbing uh, trends of uh, anti-Semitism coming from the left and something that we should be watching out for. So uh, I appreciate that, Jimmy. And you, know, you may say you're not a good Christian, but you know, I, uh, I really appreciate what you're saying out there. So thank you. And, don't, and, don't, and Jimmy, don't put yourself down. Final right. question is that there's a legend that every Secretary of State... Leaves office hating Israel, and they mentioned this to James Baker, and he said, allegedly, would have said, "What happens if he started out that way?" You've heard that legend, right? Is it true? I mean, I've heard the legend. I don't, I don't know if it's true. And when they say, "The man who shot Liberty Valance," when the when the, um, uh, when the facts get the way, the legend prints the legend. So, um, so yeah, it is. But uh, you know, let me let me just uh, cite one Secretary of State who didn't take that approach with George Shultz. I remember he was uh, I was a relatively young boy um, when Alexander Haig, who was a fan of Israel, left as Secretary of State, and George Shultz came in. And I remember my father, uh, who was a huge uh, Israel lover, was very nervous about Shultz. He, you know, he had all these ties Back to Del the Corporation. Arab world. We have 10 Shultz seconds left. Name. But and, and Shultz, 
was great. And Schultz became a huge fan of Israel and was a, a big supporter of Israel. So, you know, sometimes secretaries of state uh, actually get better. So, uh, Dr. Tevitro, I want to thank for. you for being with us. I look forward to having you back again. And thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Go to TalkLineNetwork.com. Uh, and we're with you 24 hours a day. And thank you for being part of our show. Thanks tonight. for listening. Thank you for listening to TalkLine Communications Network, America's leading Jewish radio and TV network since 1981. This concludes Jewish programming for tonight. For continuous nonstop Jewish broadcasting, please go right now online to TalkLineCommunications.com. For more information on all of TalkLine's Jewish radio and TV shows, please call 212-769-1925 or email info at TalkLineCommunications.com. The Talk Line's new 24-hour day listen line is 712-777-1925.